I know now what I want to say in my intro for my podcast. I'm going to start with a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last podcast, last graphic, last painting, last blog post. There's so many forces out there that want us to be bland, and that is not possible with this fro. I have too many thoughts about celebrating us, reading what I want to read, pointing out donkeys, what links us together and shouldn't tear us apart. I also give you bonus content through Ten Fro's Bar on my Patreon and if you become a melanated nerd. I also will share content about getting the real tea on reality TV. Join me in this episode of Tim Froh is reading for the wild ride. And thank you for listening. I think I've come a long way in the last year. Uh, my podcast, even though it's coming up on five years, is considered still very new. I've just made over 300 episodes, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and I now am well on my way to 300,000 downloads. I would love the day where I post those kind of numbers per episode, but I'm still, my audience still is very small. But with 3,000 unique listeners a month, um, just as and 30,000 downloads per month. It's kind of cool. I like, and I hope it's evident that the content I'm still producing, that I'm encouraged to produce, and that like the comments that I'm getting, people are feeling the podcast, and that's what I like. I don't want to have some type of podcast where nobody cares about, where people feel that the information that I am presenting in itself is just whack and it's tired. I get, like, just this past Friday, um, Nicole Alien and Leon Crichton, 62, on Apple Podcasts have says, provocative insight, reevaluating. Oh, somebody like my Emancipation Proclamation's impact. Um, a startling perspective on Lincoln's intentions. Wow. Huh. Surprising historical facts. It seems like people are really, were really digging um, my, the episode where I go over um, a relook at a, a historical figure. Um, Link, because you know, we've all been taught about honest Abe, but he was only honest about his racism. And I dig that. I dig the fact that people get my creative process, they get my output, they like the podcast. It's much more than they like me, they really, really like me. They're actually um, giving me my flowers now and this unique perspective from my perspective as an African-American woman is being heard. And that's what I like to actually put out there in the zeitgeist. 
and then my intentions are I want to be positive, but at the same time, I want to tell, keep it real and tell the truth. And I think my listeners actually get that. So thank you, James Fleming, Mark Parker, Jose Brody, Alfonso Carter, Michael Richard Dose. Y'all are the bomb. And I appreciate you. And thank you for listening. What a way to start and talk about the F-A-F-O's. The two Justins have been reinstated. Not only were they reinstated to the state assembly here in Tennessee, they actually won an overwhelming majority to get their seats back. Screw the GOP, screw the Red Senate, fuck around and find out because they coming for your racist asses and your racist policy. And I'm here for it. But on a different note, crime against walking around why black and just being yourself came to a head in Brooklyn where a 17 year old who appears to be a white teenager decided to settle a fight because a a wonderful young man by the name of O'Shea Sibley, he and his friends were just dancing while waiting for that expensive butt gas. Did y'all see what regular is in um, New York? It's over $4 a gallon. And this guy and O'Shea Sibley had the audacity to basically groove to Beyonce. And the white teenager missed the point. Who does that? Why did you feel it necessary to stop this young man from living his life? Were you jealous that he was out and proud? Were you jealous that he could dance? Were you jealous that he was just celebrating hotness in New York? How dare you be who you are? That's what that crime was and I'm glad you are going to get charged with the hate crime I hope you are prosecuted to the up to the utmost of the law I also hope that you go to Rikers because I help you turn 18 and the bras take care of you on the yard I don't think they've um, closed it yet You need to go and you need to basically pay for every, for that life that you took from this earth, just for someone being themselves. You need to be ashamed of yourself. And because of your hate, you took beauty off of the earth. Who does that? What gives you the right to end someone's life because they can vogue or they're just dancing, being free? That's what it's about being in America. And why did you snuff out his life? Really? Is this what we're doing now? Well, I guess it is. Every now and again, you racists pop up, but I bet you are undercover and you were just jealous of his freedom of expression because you, in whatever your little white privilege, still is, uh, is not free to express yourself on a creative front.
So you ended that young man life. Yeah. Even though his death was senseless, why can I see O'Shea voguing through the pearly gates with Peter and the Lord getting their life? How amazing is that? Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading tin for I can go anywhere. Friends to know, ways to grow, a reading tin So I don't know. I don't know if I'm on some type of personal positivity journey, but I not only want to be proactive in telling the truth about history, but also share those types of books that also, you know, tell someone else's journey about personal healing. And that's why I spent so much time going, uh, reviewing and talking about some of the themes in All Boys Aren't Blue. Uh, because George M. Johnson's memoir or manifesto was just that. His personal journey of gender identity, um, the being in such a loving family, also being uh, molested by his cousin, who he was close to, and not being able to tell the story, and processing it fully um, until the cousin was actually killed. And the cousin was on the DL. That's the thing that tripped me out. But I think I had been wanting to read Open Mike, a memoir by Mike Hill, who famously was married to Cynthia Bailey of Real Housewives of Atlanta fame. And of course, I'm going to talk about this book um, or, or read it because I'm a Real Housewives of Atlanta stand. I'm writing a whole play or ser limited series or film script as it relates to women going to BravoCon. I mean, come on, y'all. Why wouldn't I read his book? Um, I don't, so far I've read her thirsty ass introduction because she writes the, she's really wordy. She writes the forward in the book and she gives, and she was very vocal on the show about her misgivings about being in a relationship with someone who was a notorious cheater. He had been married a couple of times before and cheated on both of his spouses. Um, and there was a famous scene in this previous season where 
they he has a whole bunch of female friends and they tell this story about their sexual proclivities in front of his daughter, youngest daughter. It was very cringy. But so far, he is getting into the story about how he came to write the book. Um, he was actually, he had a pretty good spot as a sportscaster on Fox Sports. Um, and he was had been making a name for himself in L.A., and his whole life was in L.A. before he was introduced to Cynthia Bailey through Steve Harvey. And when she writes this, because y'all know her, she was presented on the show as really thirsty. And she says, I never imagined in my life the inferno of love that would become famously chill, ironically chilling with Mike was so much easier said than done. And it looks like they all both had their demons because she was famously married to Peter Thomas. Their time was very tumultuous. From the beginning when she presented on the show, when they were, they were broke, planning a wedding on a dollar. And then with the, all the lies and innuendos of him cheating on her with his wait staff, it was a lot. And now it looks like he's going through a time of rebuilding. And now she, even though she claims her undying love for this man, she has gone on to file, they've filed for divorce for irreconcilable differences. And we've seen when she was with Peter, when she was done, she filed. She's like, look, I'm tired. And now She's much older than she was when she filed from Peter. After marrying this man, after she told him she would never get married again and she married him. But this is like those uh, famously romantic relationships. They burn really bright in the beginning. And then when the infatuation burned off and you are left with the reality, I don't, ever, I don't think they knew what to do with themselves after that. And... I think I'm getting into, I may be able, I think the viewer or the fan will be able to get a little bit of insight, at least from her, his point of view, somebody that really wasn't a regular, regular guy. He had his own celebrity uh, within the sports casting world. And then he married, got into the relationship and married someone that was a big name in the reality TV, in her own sphere, who all also has a um, rep for being very independent. I think Leon Robinson, her previous ex-boyfriend, Noelle's father, alluded to this. She has walked away <clears throat> from more relationships than she actually stood in. Peter was the first one that she married, and she was married to him for a whopping, what, six years? And then she was only married to Mike Hill for less than two before she filed. The image that she presents um, through social media and on the show is elegance, class, and charm, and sophistication. But we have a feeling, because Nini told us this, 
And I'm going to go into a little bit more of that when I get into the unreality TV of it all. But I think the Cynthia Bailey, true, no wigs, no lashes, no make, no, no makeup. All she's left with is cheekbones and a very sharp tongue. And I think she can get gutter with the best of them. We don't see that on TV, but living with the true 50 Cent is probably more than both of them could deal with. And it's better to walk away before catching the case. Because living with someone day to day to day forever, you can say it and you may want it, but the reality of it to make it true is very difficult. And I think I'm going to get some insight why they probably went toe to toe, but the red flags may have been there that they may bring have brought out the worst in each other. And maybe he was trying to heal from this shit, wasn't completely healed from it and entered into a relationship with someone that wasn't all was also broken and wasn't completely healed. You can't make a hole out of the pieces if you yourself is broken. And I think I, I wonder if this book is going to give me some insight why a, a regular degular Negro like him probably was not going to be able to stay with the real true 50 cent. So that's why I think I'm reading this book and I'm hoping that his journey, even though I don't think it's over with, I think the beginning, we're going to get some insight into it from, I've got, I'm going to get some insight to it from the book because I also, it's really wild that they've teased that also 50 Cent or Cynthia Bailey is making a guest appearance, is coming back as a friend of the show in upcoming episodes of Real Housewives of Atlanta. And so this is apropos uh, because of the NeNe leaks of it all, a recent interview by Carlos King with Cynthia Bailey. And now she's coming back, I think, to get some more insight about what to expect, either for him, because I don't think I've seen anything online that he's done any recent interviews, but I'm going to check it out or try to research it and see if I can pull up anything. So what is going on in the popular culture zeitgeist? Well, evidently a whole punch, a bunch. It seems that Lizzo literally is in some hot water with former dancers and acquaintances. You know, I've watched over the years. I even have until probably today. I'm going to I'm thinking about changing it. That Lizzo has had good girl vibes and positivity, positivity, body image positivity, and her songs usually are bops. I mean, how many people can twerk while playing the um, by bank playing the flute, and she's made no apologies for even though she's a big girl she gives a great show um she has ass cuts out uh pants she doesn't and she has like this irreverent free spirit about her 
Um, so, and people come for her because she dares to be a big girl and bring it every single time. And she is just known as this really nice person. Cut to the more recent allegation about Ella DeGeneres before she went offline. The hostile workplace, the brutality, and it was mostly associated with the producers, but these are people that Ellen DeGeneres kept on her staff, and they are a reflection of her. Now, cut back to Lizzo and her positive positivity campaign. A recent lawsuit filed by three of her ex-dancers accused of bullying and sexual harassment. It wouldn't have been such a bad, and you wanna go to reliable sources, like I'm reading this article about the details of the lawsuit through Harper's Bazaar. I'm not gonna just depend on the blogs, but we got the same thing being said by the dancers on uh, Good Morning America, uh, NBC News, et cetera. And it, those accusations by these former dancers wouldn't have been more po so potent, but it's the graphic details of being invited to um, sex clubs and being made to perform sex acts and captivity while they go through their phone, um, those types of things. The body, the body shaming, I don't really care about because Lizzo... I know I'm bigger than her, but she's a big girl. That's stupid and people are coming after her. I think that is the least of what she's accused of. But not only are these people that are in the loss that have filed this lawsuit, there are other former workers that are coming forward that say that are saying that they are not a part of the lawsuit, but they wish they had the guts to do what these women are doing. I think I'm going to have to wait and see how it all plays out because they've made it our business. They've included the uh, viewing public and the listening public in the group text, and we don't really want to be there. But this, they're either going to need to corroborate this or she's going to get the check, and she's going to need to apologize to this woman, and it's going to have to be on a public level. If she did something this that made them uncomfortable. And I do believe there's a reason why they are her former members. She's gotta make it right. Um, and just because she's down with these freaky things doesn't need to make sure everybody in her inner circle also needs to be down with it. And they should have had like an, ex like an escape button or a safe word where they should have been allowed not to participate in these things if this was not their cup of tea. And now they're spilling the tea, and the tea is spice, uh, piping hot and scalding. And, they, and, it, and it seems like the public will change on you and turn on you with the quickness. She, if these things can go unanswered, they're going to start dropping her like Jonathan Majors. And speaking of Jonathan Majors, he showed up to his court hearing and the prosecution couldn't even go forth because the accused has fled the country. 
There is no witness. If ain't no witness, is it possibly no crime? And are they getting ready to drop the charges? So I don't know. I really don't know. But he lost a lot of work. His brand and image is forever tarnished. Lizzo's going to need to clear this up. I say all of that to say. And then going on to Juan Juan. It's Juan Dixon. Juan Dixon, the worst performing coach probably in Coppin State history. He was terminated last March. Um, but I want people from, the, I'm taking this from HBCUsports.com. The current charges against this one Juan Dixon uh, are, have the charges have been dismissed. But the judge is allowing the charges against the university to be amended, meaning they, the, the plaintiff can, they can act, or the state can actually absolutely come back and refile, but they got to amend the charges. So even though these current charges as it stands now have been dismissed, they have been given uh, uh, a uh, exception where they can amend the charges and then refile. So I don't think it's completely over because again, the allegations that that young man that was sexually harassed and catfished by that former uh, ex-Coppin State basketball player uh, are egregious. And if it was a cover-up um, and if they truly uh, instigated um, checking his sexual orientation, there's no room for that in this current day. And they all need to be the state of Maryland cop and state and if Juan Dixon participated in that type of action and the cover up he needs they need to answer for that and again I think they are big ass check and a public apology um needs to be rendered and that's all I got to say for this episode of being black and nosy and spilling the tea on popular culture. And these are my opinions, only my opinions. The opinions of Tim Fro sitting in her yard playing with her little dog and recording her own podcast. The Shady Bunch, the Shady Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. Oh, snap. Erica Dixon is going to read that gazelle cheap Bambi chick for filth. And why is Scrappy lying? Lying, oh. She's been with Bambi since, what, 2013? It's been 10 years. They got 50 lame kids. Oh, boy, I can't with these people. This is such reality TV gone wrong. And this lawyer reminds me of fake and fake parks, but she's funny. This is some ghetto-ish, but I'm here for it. Here we go with Kirk whining again. I can't with this fool. This is the same Negro that cheated on her with Menzino in there. Had a baby on her with this other trick. Girl, bye. Why is she still with this marble head gaslighting MF? -er? 
it appears that Rashida, not only has she stopped aging, but she's aging backwards like Nene Leakes and uh, Kenya in there. But she got this receding hairline, blue pill taken MF. Who got time for this bullshit? He need to be locked up like R. Kelly anyways because how he got with her. Does she really need him? I'm not sure. Boy, bye. I know I'm not the only one that truly believes this, but I have been thinking this for a long time. And this has even been before I saw the most highly rated, most viewed episodes of Carlos King, one of the best producers in real Housewives franchise history, his two-part interview with Nene Leakes. What, this is what I gathered from him. It's not, okay, Nene Leakes is, she was the show. She started the show and her cachet was solidified when Sheree or Sherry White, a.k.a. Sheree Whitfield, left her off the list to come into her party. And it's wild that all of those housewives ended up being divorced, ended up losing their house until Sheree moved into Thelma Castle. But that's neither here nor there. It was also the fact that the show in its current iteration has the lowest ratings since in the last three years. And it's dropped to number three as far as viewership uh, for Bravo. When they drop, when you drop to like 0.2 on Nielsen ratings, that's when they start talking about either they're going to allow you to be revamped or they're getting ready to cancel your shit. And I don't know if the news is out that Real Housewives of Atlanta has been renewed for another season. I know the way it was explained on that interview, they work. It is so wild. They work. They may not get asked back every year it's always is they're not guaranteed to come back season after season they have to wait to the end of the filming if they're going to get a contract to come back not only aren't they paid shit like the first year that they appear they can get a new contract at higher coins and but they're not even guaranteed to be in all of the episodes. Nene made that plain. She broke the fourth wall. Also, there was a whole bunch of tit for tat going on between her and some of the other co-stars of this show. I don't believe that she was all that innocent. And the reason why I say that is, is because there was an incident, I mean, way early on when her and Sheree stopped talking to each other for about four years with Lyrone. 
and how they fell out over a failed back-end deal that she had with some project. That was like number one. The number two we got a few years ago, she was on What's Happening Live, and they were, and she has alleged that her and Cynthia are on the outs again, and they we've watched them fall out. And I'm rewatching the previous episodes, which all are better than this season, just so y'all know. But they've gone back and forth, and I was wondering why Nene was going so hard on Cynthia. Evidently, there's allegations that Cynthia was campaigning to get Nene to not come back to the show. And it looks like she went on, and it was a, and we know how it works. It's a trial of public opinion. So it seems like Cynthia was going around to all of these, uh, doing interviews and talking about how she was such a bad person. And then Nene had to go and do damage control and say, she, I'm not, the only, I think if she had did it this way, I'm not the only toxic and virtual and um, vitreous, not what is it called, ha, woman that could in vitriol in this relationship. We both went toe to toe. She just did her behind doors. And she just was very good at not allowing it to be filmed or not to go on social media, you know. So there, it seems like there was a campaign to get both of each other canceled. You know, like there was a famous scene when uh, her and Candy were like, in the reunion, were like, we see each other. Yeah, they were trying to get each other canceled. So I have been watching for clips of the response to Candy Burris and Cynthia, uh, their responses to uh, what Nene said on Carlos King's uh, production. And it, it's purely her opinion. Nene thinks she should be bigger than, um, what's her name, Kim Kardashian. But I think even though she has proved that she is a, uh, uh, draw to the crowd. She only needs her water and her check. I think her her ability to shut down and alienate people makes it very difficult for people to want to work with her. And she has herself talked herself out of her own blessings. She's messed up her blog, her bag, many and many times by going on these rants, by being uncooperative. I've just watched um, what is it, season 10 or 11, uh, where she went off on Portia and popped and dragged Portia up out of her closet when she was fully pregnant with little Pilar and Candy and pulled the uh, cameraman's shirt off his back. She's fully capable of just being, when she's close, she's close, when she get mad, and go on mad day and she has a nene comes out and she still has no control over nene the whole tone of the trip to when they were actually going to carnival in toronto 
that was fucked up because of old Yavana, who ain't that bitch. You know, I'm I'm rewatching these episodes, and it's like she will never. She's like one of those people that you can't stroke their ego. They they can't verbalize what you have to do to prop them up. You can't. One of the things that you can't do with someone with a really large ego is you can't criticize them because they will see it as an attack and they want the world to bend to their uh, greatness and they can't understand why you won't. And then they come off and they try to have like a pity party and they want people to do their bidding, but they don't to their greatness, but they also don't want to be held accountable to when they have the serious flaws in their behavior that come off as toxic and caustic. And I think the reason why she is so mad at Cynthia, because Cynthia probably does have some real toxic and caustic portions of your her behavior but people still generally like her and Nini can't understand why people won't give her the same credibility or won't give her the same passes and she makes up and she goes after people when she sees that they have the same toxic capabilities and she cannot, she just really can't fathom why she still can't get the same props, why people won't give her a pass, even though she's she truly did build this franchise and this genre, but nobody will give her the pass. Nobody will prop her up, even though they have the same toxic um, tendencies as she does. Ethel agrees, y'all. Ever watched a television show and then you are just completely mad that you watched it? This is what's going on with me in this recent episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I've never watched a more nonsensical episode of TV. I'm confused and bamboozled. And completely annoyed that Bravo and Andy Cohen and them are playing in our face with this bullshit. None of this makes sense. It didn't even make sense that Cynthia Bailey is back on the show. They mentioned her divorce from Mike Hill. And it is obvious that Candy is so happy to see her. But I don't understand how they even had her on the show. I got more from reading my ill book and clips online and her interview with <coughs> Carlos King. <coughs> this, this episode told me nothing. Yet even they had Latoya back on the show and didn't reveal shit. 
nobody is willing to admit to anything real. I don't understand how they had Ralph on. I don't understand why they had Latoya back on. I don't understand why they had Cynthia back on. This episode absolutely didn't make sense, and it pissed me off that they wasted my goddamn time. I'm tired. Really, y'all? Stop planning our face with this BS. Either y'all need to need, make it make sense, but y'all gonna need to stop this nonsense. I don't understand any of why this episode was even edited like this and shot because it's stupid. Absolutely dumb and stupid. This is why I just... Y'all are setting the show up to be canceled because this is, I don't, I don't get any of this. This is dumb. Even with Barlow and Ralph talking, I said, why are you talking to her? Nobody does that. Nobody. None. Nobody at all. And then Candy prancing around. And not putting Drew on blast for lying about her and Latoya hooking up. And even who cares because it was from two years ago. Now the original Bolo episode was bomb. But this BS is so stupid. I don't care. It, it's again, I, nobody cares. Like Latosha trying to go sing, go, trying to go um, solo and... Candy with that onk on her head screaming, nobody cares. Nobody cares. This is what is going on. I am willing to stop watching this. Not so I, I, I gave up sleep to watch this. But what I am not willing to do is continue to give up sleep for a show that don't give a fuck about the fans. Because that's what's happening. This show was so disjointed and it doesn't make any goddamn sense. That Portugal trip was dumb and having Sherry White trying to keep people and give them direction when it was all about her and her fibroids. Girl, I'm so tired. I don't understand why Courtney doesn't make sense as a friend of the show. Even Moneta, even though she is nice, it would make more sense if Pussy Pop and Shamia and Portia was there, because even Moneta and Heath would make sense if they were with other friends of the show that made sense. Because Moneta with this crew doesn't make sense. And this episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta did not make sense. And if the show is going to be canceled, if this show gets a Nielsen rate of 0.1. I get it because it's dumb as hell. I didn't, I don't understand this. It's stupid. Because even Cynthia Bailey coming back and with her cheekbones, it didn't make any sense. Why come back if you're not, if you're not going to tell us more than what we could have found out from reading Mike Hill's book and looking at him on YouTube. I girl, it's such a waste of time. And I'm so mad at y'all for keeping me up and looking at this BS and te not telling me anything more. I don't know. I don't, 
whatever Carlos King would pay and having the discussion to get Nene Leaks back and rearranging the show, get rid of Courtney, get rid of Sheree and her stale ass. I don't get it. I just, I'm so tired. But Kenya's little daughter, Brooklyn, she's cute as a butt. And what do we have to pay Portia to get her back? Evidently, we got six million reasons to get her back because Gambodia is not is a fake Nigerian prince. I don't know. But we may be able to get her back for six million dollars. It may be worth it because this is some BS that's going on today. I don't want Mama Gina back, Dennis's mama back. Having the Canadian back, twerking, and them, oh my God, Real Housewives go to Rio and get in, get into it, and one of them get kidnapped, that would be funny. But at least it would be better than the BS that's going on on season 15. It just seems like somebody is really trying to get this series canceled. And if this series really does get canceled, I think that would be the nail in the wall for the entire franchise because what y'all have done to to denigrate this show is ridiculous. And I think every last producer on the current season needs to be fired and previous season need to be bought back and new blood needs to be bought into the show, but not at the expense of some of the OGs. I don't know. I'm thinking reboot or toot. They mean if y'all not willing to toot this, to reboot this shit and put the money into it and have people on the show that are willing to really reveal some interesting tidbits of their life. But the BS, the, the contrived BS that's going on now, y'all need to go ahead and sit down somewhere. Because if this is a harbinger or a prelude to what's going to happen on Potomac, I'm going to be real pissed off and I'm going to be writing my own shit because I can't watch another and waste several hours of my life on contrived BS for unreality TV. This is garbage. Garbage. I hate this episode. Y'all need to go sit down somewhere and I'm re-watching previous years because I can't trust what's going on now in the present to be worth anything. Even the leaked photos of the gear y'all are wearing on the reunion is whacked. I don't like any of them dresses. And all of y'all look like Big Bird. Dear Andy Cohen, stop playing in our face. What the what? What is going on here? I am so annoyed that I am up watching Real Housewives and then I watch the after show the next day and I'm so confused. Why are they still beating on the same tired storyline from two years ago? If they had revealed something new or something that we didn't know or Bolo made an appearance on the show, I would have been happy. 
I don't care if tired, fake, lying Drew kissed Latoria two years ago. I don't care. I don't care. Nobody cares. And y'all, instead of dealing with real or new issues, like why are you going to tease Cynthia Bailey coming back to the show? And why of all people is she coming back um, and not Portia? I don't see Phaedra coming back. And the only reason I would see, could see her come back if after, what, seven, eight, nine years that, oh, let me back up. It wouldn't make sense to bring Phaedra back without bringing Portia back. Um, because Portia, I've been rewatching some of the previous seasons, and Portia is a good time. Also, I want to see how her daughter's doing. Um, she's big. She's a big girl now. And I would think that Brooklyn, it would be a vibe watching Shady, Pilar, and Brooklyn vibe because uh, Brooklyn seems so sweet. Pilar maybe a little bit on the shady side, and they would balance each other. It would be like the next gen of Real Housewives of Atlanta, and I would love to see that. Also, I would not want to see, or and even Andy, if his little boy, he's cute. I'm watching the reunion, the quarantine edition of the reunion, so at the same time as I'm recording this last section, but they, I knew, I called this last week. I don't want to see Cynthia Bailey if they're not going to deal with the real issues. I went back and I looked at the press of her and her husband um, uh, filing for divorce, and they really didn't say a whole bunch. They had gotten to the point where they were no longer friends, and that's why they split. There have been some uh, reports of infidelity in the, in the blogs, but that was uncooperated. But yet, and they could, like her, it, when it was real, like her and Peter, uh, when they divorced and it was relatively amicable, I would like to see how she breaks up with Mike um, Hill, the end of Chill. That would have been a great storyline. But instead, they're beating up this, oh, I kissed her. No, I didn't kiss her from two years ago. Who cares? Nobody cares, y'all. Nobody cares. Or are Drew and Ralph getting a divorce? Y'all going to have to give me something. Because other than that, y'all playing in my face. And this is not must-watch TV. Let me see. Real Housewives of Atlanta Wikipedia. I actually found out if you go to the Wikipedia page, you can also... There is a season 16 that hasn't been canceled. I wonder if they've started shooting. 
see. Do, 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 do. TV ratings, likes. It was, it is no longer. Let me see if I can get these ratings. Uh, HOA ratings. 2.9, a whopping 2.9. This is um, an IMDb. Oh, TV Deets. I need to basically bookmark this because this is actually tvdeets.com. Um, is a good, uh, reliable source uh, for current ratings on most of my shows. Um, and when you scroll down to season 15, again, the lowest rating episode was episode four. Um, and the latest I have, let's see. What is this episode? We're 12 episodes in, and it's this way. Season, episode six was the highest rating. I don't believe that because all of the bull crap has been boring. But it was only a whopping, it was less than 900, um, less than a million views. But it appears that the highest viewed episode was Rap Sheet and Old Beefs. Oh, this is when they beat up that storyline when they reveal uh, Melvin got shot. This was um, in 2022. Uh, Melvin, um, Candace's cousin, was shot by uh, a disgruntled drunk employee. Um, and it triggered Marlo, and she beat up some crap uh, about a couple of years ago. Her, a former employee of um, OLG um, was murdered by his roommate, um, but that was years prior. That was a stupid episode, and this most recent episode, Sex, Lies, and Video Phones, Twelve. That was eight hundred and eight, but I don't have the most recent uh, ratings, and they're but they are averaging about point two, a uh, low of point two one to point two eight, even to point two seven at the highest. So. It's not, again, it's really not doing a whole bunch. Even season 14 had better rankings than this year. But it's been dropping over the years. They went from usually up to 1.5, 2 million, 5 million views all the way down to a season low of, what, 600 and some odd views. We're tired of these storylines. Y'all need to listen up and listen up good, bravo. We are tired of these tired-ass storylines. Y'all need to get it together or we 
or when stop watch because it's no longer must watch TV. People like me that go to bed early ain't gonna stay up way late. We may or may not stream it because we know the storylines are tired and boring. And how are you gonna have an OG come back on and y'all are not even. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint-hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.